Gospel of Luke, chapter number one. And the word today is a father's heart in the hand of God. Hallelujah. A father's heart in the hand of God. Luke chapter one, and we want to look at verses uh, 15 through 17. Hallelujah. We see where the angel announced the birth of John the Baptist to Zacharias. And, uh, you know, Zacharias was troubled, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him. And he said to him, Zacharias, starting verse 13, your petition has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will give him the name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will drink no wine or liquor, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, while yet in his mother's womb. And he will turn back many of the sons of Israel to the Lord their God. And verse 17 is the one we want to look at. And it is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of righteousness so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 The angel of the Lord told Zacharias that John the Baptist would be filled from his mother's womb with the Holy Spirit. It is important that we be filled with the Holy Spirit of the Lord. This is the command of God. This is the will and desire of God that we be filled with the Spirit, Holy Spirit of God. God just don't want us to have a little drip. He wants us to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. God can fulfill His plans and purposes in your life when you are filled with the Holy Spirit and able to follow the leading and the guidance of the Holy Spirit who will always lead you to be obedient to the Word of God who will always lead you to, to the Word so that you may understand the Word, perform the Word, and obey the Word. Amen? And so when John, it says there was a purpose for God in John the Baptist's life. And that was to turn the hearts of the children. Actually, it's God's work, but, but John was just going to be a vessel that God worked through because God had a plan and a purpose way before John the Baptist was born, and God's desire was to turn the hearts of the fathers, to turn them back to the children. What happened? There was a disconnect between family, between fathers and children. Go with me to the book of Malachi, because what is being said here is the prophecy given in the last book of the Bible, the very last verse of the Old Testament, and that God made an outstanding promise here in the book of Malachi, chapter number 4, verse number 6. The Lord is coming again. The Bible declares the Lord will come again. And when he comes again, it's going to be a day of great judgment on the earth. Jesus came the first time, and he came as Savior 
to be Savior and Lord, to save as many as would turn to him. When he comes again, he's coming as a warrior. He came as a lamb, but he's coming again as a warrior. And Malachi says there is coming a great day of the Lord when he comes again as a warrior. But he says, I, I am going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. Now, in the book of Luke, in the gospel of Luke, it says that John would come in the spirit and power of Elijah, but he was not Elijah. They asked him elsewhere in the gospels, are you Elijah? And John the Baptist says, no, I am not Elijah. But he was operating in the spirit and power of Elijah, but he was not Elijah. Elijah will come again because the Bible declares he will come just before the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so John the Baptist came in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the of the fathers to the children. Look at what it says in Malachi chapter 4 verse 6. And he will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the land with a curse. The word curse there is not correct. The word in the Hebrew there, look it up, the word in the Hebrew is utter destruction, utter desolation. And so God says before that day of utter destruction, the Bible says God has a purpose. Before he closed the Old Testament, God says this is what I desire. I am going to send my prophet for a purpose and a plan. One purpose, to turn the hearts of the, the father to the children and the children to the father. And he's talking about godly fathers, godly children. He's not talking about the ungodly. He's talking about godly fathers. God wants a father's heart to be in his hands so that God can fill that heart and make it a new heart, fill it with the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit, that that heart of the father will turn back to the children. It's something how all of Israel, they were called the household of, they were called the children of God. How quick they forget to walk in the ways of the Lord. The Bible declares time and time again, God gave him his word, gave him his word, led them out, blessed them, and they turned. Even though they were blessed, they kept turning away from God. And what did the disobedience bring upon their lives? Disobedience to the word of God brings consequences. Obedience brings what? Blessing. I want to be blessed. Do you want to be blessed? One way to be blessed, the greatest and only way to be blessed, is to obey the word of God. Disobeying God's word brings separation, not only from God, but from family, from one another. And God, so God says in the Old Testament, he said, when Elijah comes, he's going to turn the hearts of the fathers, because the fathers' hearts need turning. Our hearts need turning. We need to turn to God so that God could turn our hearts to our family. Family is number one in God's economy, in God's plan. 
Family is a God unit that he set up with Adam and Eve. God created Adam, and he said, it's not good for man to be alone, and he created Eve. And he said, the two will become one flesh, married, not living together. God never created man and woman to live together outside the bonds of matrimony. Living together outside bonds of matrimony is adultery and fornication. So when God established the family unit with Adam and Eve, he said what? Be fruitful and multiply. And when he said be fruitful and multiply, he was saying then teach your children to know me, to follow me, to obey me, to walk in my ways. That's why Abel was able to, to bring to God sacrifices. Why? Because his father taught him. Men we teach. Fathers are meant to teach children, wives, children about the Lord and how to please God. How to walk in obedience to the word of God. One son walked in obedience and one son what? Did not walk in obedience to the ways of the Lord. And that was the beginning of disrespect and dishonor in the family. Cain disrespected his father. Cain disrespected his mother. But most importantly, Cain disrespected God. He did not want to obey God and do things God's way. He wanted to do things his way. And his way or your way will never work and never please God. That's why we're called to, to give our hearts to God and be filled with the Holy Spirit so that our lives can be pleasing to God because we'll be doing things, desiring to do things God's way. The first rift between father and son came with Adam and Cain. We live in a world where children, families, are being divided by Satan because Satan knows that God, what did God do? The first act that God did when he created Adam and Eve, he created a family. And the devil came against the family by saying, Hath God said to this family? And what did Eve say? The serpent made me do it. And that opened the door to disobedience. And it filtered down to the, to the children. And out of that disobedience came all of the troubles that we have today. Disobedience breeds disrespect and dishonor to God and to one another. We live in a world that is filled with disrespect and dishonor. In the Christian ranks, we know what the world is like, but in the Christian realm, people are filled with disrespect and dishonor of one another and of the family, of church, and therefore of society. Because God set it up, the family, as a source of authority, of government, of morality, and of godliness. And when a family does not have cannot rule and govern its own in a godly way, if there's no morals and there's no godliness in a household, that household will, will then 
be living in carnal and worldly ways and desires, and it will destroy that family, and it will destroy the circle of people, the society around that individual's life. That's why God says that family, men and women who are together, there is a no greater responsibility than a family seeing to it that that family makes a decision, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is the plan that God wants to see. This is what brings a smile to the heart of God. When a man says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. When an individual who's not married says, as for me and my house, we will, I will serve the Lord. When we make that our purpose and our passion in life, everything changes. We look at the world around us and we can see that there's a decay, there's a disruption of the family. Now, what does the enemy have gotten into society, little by little? It's okay to live together. You don't need to get married. It's okay, man with man and woman with woman. It's okay. You don't have to go to the preacher. You don't have to go here to get married. Just live together. If you love each other, that's fine. That's all that matters. You love each other. Don't get married. Is that what God said? Did God say to Adam and Eve, just get married, just, just love each other and have relations? God says, what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. God made a joining together so that the man and the woman together will serve God. Two are better than one. Two are stronger than one. A threefold cord can hardly be, cannot be broken. And so when God joined them together, he joined them together for a purpose, that the family of Adam and Eve would serve God, that their children would serve God. And when a family begins to serve God, the world around them changes and begins to serve God. Households, God, the devil has gotten households to relax on having a fear of anything. There's no, there, there's no godly instruction going on in households, in Christian households, I'm talking. And the restraints, even in Christian households, has been relaxed. Oh, darling, do whatever you feel is right. God loves you. There's no boundaries in Christian homes. We need to apply God's word in our households. My wife grew up in a house where her dad was a pastor. And he said to his children, as long as you live in my house, we will serve God. And there will be rules and regulations because we don't serve God out of rules and regulations. But in the same sense, we do. We need to be obedient to the word of God. We cannot do whatever feels right. We cannot do whatever pleases us. And so someone has to set down boundaries and laws and rules of spiritual laws because the Bible gives us spiritual laws. Jesus gave us laws, rules, regulations in the spiritual realm. And Jesus says, do not commit adultery. Do not commit fornication. Jesus says, do not lie. Do not steal. Do not rob from your brother or sister. These are laws that Jesus himself gave us. And if we in our households think that these things are meaningless and have no effect and that we could just relax, 
I know Christian families that say, oh, I just let my children do what they want. Jesus loves them. Everything's okay, and we love them too. And sooner or later, they'll come to know Jesus as Lord. No, they won't. You let them do what they want, and they will go astray. And they will go and lose all the blessings that God would have for them. Children have lost reverence. When, when someone loses reverence for God, they lose reverence for you. Once they begin to disrespect God, they can disrespect you with no problem. And if they disrespect you with no problem, they have no problem disrespecting anybody else. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. How many of your people have heard that? Nobody's going to tell me what to do. Who are you to judge? I'll do what I want to do. Who are you to judge? I'll do what I want to do. No, you need to do what the Word of God says to do. And in that regard, we can judge. That if you're not doing what God has called you to do and you're living in disobedience, you're living in sin. As Christians, obedience to God has to be a priority in our life. Has to be. Because when we obey God, we are blessed by God. When we obey God, we receive healing from God. I want to be obedient to God because I love him. Because he saved me. He redeemed me. I want to be obedient to God because he tells me to be obedient to him. I want to be obedient to God out of love and out of, out of, out of the word declares that if I do not obey God, I am subject to curse. Curses, I am subject to sickness and disease. I'm subject to all manner of things if I walk in disobedience to God. But a minute I say, Lord, forgive me. I choose to live for you. God begins to turn things around and he begins to alter the home. Because there's no more home altars, the family has been altered for the bad, not for the good. <coughs> People talk about revival. Oh, God's going to do a great revival. No, he's not, unless the family starts to revive itself. The fathers need revival. God says in Malachi that he will send Elijah in the power of the Spirit to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. Meaning there's got to be a revival in the, in the family that we will serve God. And when the family begins to get revival and say, we are going to serve God in this house whether you like it or not, you will choose to serve God as long as you live in my house. It sounds harsh. It sounds cruel. But you make, you relax that rule and you say you can live in my house and do whatever you want. I pray that you will follow God, but you could do whatever you want. Your house will not be blessed. Fathers, we need to say, as for me and my house, we will serve God. And serving God is joy. Serving God is filled with gladness. Serving God is a pleasure. Serving God is a delight. And if we bring that across, and we've got to understand that in our own lives, that my serving God is a joy. My serving God is a pleasure. My serving God is a delight. I don't serve God out of fear and trembling and in a sense that, oh, oh, we could better do this or do it right or else. No, I want to serve God the best of my ability and by the anointing and power of his Holy Spirit, he will enable me to live it. 
And so we've got to have a revival of fathers turning our hearts back to the children. And we've got to say, I, dec- I'm, I claim my child for the kingdom of God. And I will do, while that child is under my roof, I will give what, let that child walk in the ways of the Lord. The Bible says, train up a child in the way it should go, and when he is old, he will what? Will not depart from it. You know, we have a great responsibility. Nobody wants to hear that word. We have a great responsibility to God for our lives and to God for our family. We, are, we have a responsibility to bring up our children and to have our families, our husbands and wives coming together to praise God, to worship God, to open up God's word. That's why there's a home altar is needed in every house. An altar where we can come together and pray as husband and wife, as father and son, father and daughter. We need to pray together. Not just when we come to church, not just when we're in our car by ourselves. We need to do all those things. But if we don't pray together, we're not walking in obedience to the Lord and we are lacking the blessings that God wants to pour onto your life. And we cannot just be praying alone. We need to pray alone, but we need to pray together. That's why when I say when the church is open, when we walk in the doors, we should walk in praying for this church. Praying for the disobedient to come and give their hearts to the Lord. And get right with God. That's where revival is. That people will want to obey God. Turn back and obey God. Backsliders have made a decision not to serve God anymore. They made a decision. They may have served God. Maybe your children have served God at one time. But something happened in their lives. And they're not walking the way they should. They're walking in disobedience to the Lord. And their lives, as much as you pray for them and love them, their lives cannot be blessed because they're not walking in obedience to the Lord. God is not number one in their life. We need to pray. Our hearts need to go to our children and cry for them. We need to cry for our sons and daughters. God, get them back into the place where they will put you number one in their life. Get them back, Lord God. Bring them back. When we pray for revival, we can't just pray, Oh God, bless my son. Oh God, bless my daughter. When we know they're walking in disobedience, we've got to say, Lord, bring them back into obedience to your word so then they can be blessed and I can have joy in my heart. Would your, would your heart be joyful if your son or daughter came back and says, I want to be fired up for Jesus? That's why the Bible says that God wants to turn the father's heart to the children. We've got to start praying in a whole new way for our children. Father, bring them back into a place of relationship with you that you will be number one in their life. Bring them back to where they can be in a place of anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. Bring them back to a place where they can praise and worship you, Lord. Then I'll pray blessing over their life. You know, sometimes we should pray, Father, don't bless my children until they come back to you and cause them to come back to you. Sometimes we pray blessing and the enemy will bless them because when they're being blessed, they don't need to turn back to God anymore. They're enjoying the pleasures that they have. In the meantime, they're being robbed of everything that God has for them.
I would rather my brother, rather than me pray for him to be blessed and blessed and blessed, Lord, do what you got to do in his life that he will turn and get on his knees and call upon your name so that he will come into the house of the Lord and be a servant of God. Then I know I don't even have to pray blessing because he will be blessed. And so our hearts have to be turned to our children in a whole new way. Lord, maybe it's time to withhold blessing from them so that they will call on your name again. So that they will come back and say, Father, I can't do it without you. Lord, I need you in my life. You ever notice when people are in crucial or critical situations, they're always looking, not always, but most of the time they're looking to say, will you pray for me? And I would rather say, I'll pray for you. But I'll pray for you that you start coming into obedience to God, to know the love of God and walk in obedience to his word. Because then, guess what? You won't have to ask me to pray for you because then you'll be blessed. But if you want me to pray for you so that you can continue to be apart from God, to be apart from the house of God, to be apart from the fellowship of God, you want me to pray for that? No. I love you. I love you, but I'm not going to pray for you to be blessed so that you can continue to stay apart from God. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to pray that God does what he has to do in your life so that you will come back to the place where you know that he's your father. That all good and perfect gifts come from him. He's the father of lights. And every good and perfect gift comes from him. And so why don't you seek his face? Why don't you put yourself in the place where you can learn about your God? Why don't you put yourself in the place where God, you can love God with all your heart, soul, and strength and do what he says? Then your life will be blessed. God wants our hearts to be turned to our children in a whole new way. And when our children see that you are a man of God, and not wishy-washy? You think your children don't know what they should be doing? They do. But when they see Dad saying, I'm standing for God. As for me and my house, I'm serving the Lord. It says the children will turn their hearts, their hearts will be turned back to their fathers. Because fathers, your children are looking at you no matter where they are, no matter what they're doing, you're still their dad, you're still their father, and they're looking to you. You have a powerful influence over your children. We have a powerful influence over our family. Our family looks at us. They see what we're doing. They hear what we're saying. And when we continue to be that witness that I will live for God, as for me and my house, we will live for God. And when they hear from your lips, I love you but I can't pray God bless you while you're living in disobedience to him because guess what? God cannot bless you if you're living in disobedience. Have we ever said that to our children? I've said that to family members. I'll pray for you, I love you. But God can, I can't pray blessing over you because if you're living in sin, I can't pray God bless you, your finances. I can't pray, pray God bless your give you a new job when you're living in sin and outward knowing disobedience to God. I can't do that. I love you. I'll pray that you come back to God. And they get mad at me. 
I would rather stand before God and say, Lord, I, sent, I gave them the truth, than to stand before God and say, what did you tell them? What did you pray? What did you say? Did you challenge them? God, Jesus came on the scene and he says, repent. You know what repent means? Turn. Stop doing what you're doing and turn around and come back to me. That is what repentance means. We don't want to say that to our family. We don't want to say that to our sons and daughters. We don't want to say that to our wives. But that's what needs to be said in love, but with boldness and courage to say that, listen, this is the only way that you can be blessed of God. God wants to bless you. God will bless you. But you need to repent. You need to turn your heart back to God. And when you are, when you are forthright and honest with your children, with your loved ones and with your family, when you're honest with them, guess what? They know it. They know it. And some will choose yes, and some will say no. But for one that says yes, was it worth it? Was it worth it? You see, Joseph, Joseph was, you know Joseph of the New Testament. Joseph, his life was radically changed one day. He was radically changed and he was radically challenged by God with a family. God says, Joseph, guess what? Mary is with child. And the child that she has was given by the Holy Spirit, conceived by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph... You need to take Mary as your wife. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. God put Joseph in a position of being a father, and he says, Joseph, trust me. Don't be afraid. Take Mary as your wife. He didn't say go live with her. He said take Mary as your wife. Because now, Joseph, you're a father. You have responsibility to take care of Mary and to raise this child in the ways of God. Joseph, his whole life was radically changed. But now he had a God-given family, a family given to him by God. Do you think that your family was given to you by anyone but God? Your sons and your daughters were given to you as a gift, as a treasure from God. And they still are your family. When children grow up, they don't stop being family. A son doesn't stop being a son. A, a daughter doesn't stop being a daughter. And so God, like Joseph, he said, Joseph, stand and believe me. Trust me that I'm going to work things out here. Because that wasn't a good situation that Joseph was in. They weren't married. And Mary was pregnant. And Joseph, the Bible says that Joseph, it doesn't say much about Joseph, about what he said. But it says about Joseph that he was a just man. He was a righteous man who wanted to do the right thing according to God. He wanted to obey God, even though in the natural realm, he could have made other choices. How many of you know that in this world and in this life, you can make many choices? 
But the one choice we need to make above all is to say, what does God say about it? What does God think about it? And what should my response be? Should I step out and trust God? Should I step out and do things God's way? Or should I go on the advice and counsel of the friends that are around my life and see how many think this and how many think that? Let's take a vote. What should I do, this or that? And sadly enough, too many people in life take counsel from their friends and family around life about how they should handle the situation. When Joseph heard that Mary was pregnant with a child conceived by the Holy Ghost, he didn't respond right away. He says, know what he did? You know what Joseph did? He said, I got to take this to God. And it says he went and he just, he just got by himself. And that's when the angel says, Joseph, don't be afraid. Because he heard from God. We need to hear from God for our lives, for our own lives, and for our family. You know you need to hear God for your family, for your wife, for your sons, and for your daughters? Have we put them on the altar and said, Lord, I, I need to pray. I need a word of wisdom. I need, I need some counsel here on how to minister. This situation with my son or my daughter or my wife or whatever is not good. Lord, I need your counsel. I need your wisdom. And we need to take time to get before God to seek his counsel, to seek his advice. That's why we need to take every family situation to God in prayer and to open God's word and say, what does the word say about this situation? What does the word say about this circumstance? You see, in those days, the word said stone her. The word says to stone her. If she was pregnant and she wasn't married, that she should have been stoned according to the law. But God over, overrode the law because she wasn't pregnant through adultery. She wasn't pregnant through fornication. If she was, she would have been stoned, but she was pregnant because God impregnated her through the Holy Spirit, and therefore she was not subject to the law. And that's why Joseph needed to hear from God that God, Mary, did not commit adultery. Mary did not commit fornication. Mary is conceived by the working and the power of the Holy Spirit. That made everything different. Then Joseph had to say, well, Lord, I believe your word. You see, God gives us insight. God gives us revelation to the truth of the matter. And then we can make a godly decision, a godly choice. If we're quick to react to circumstances and situations, many times we can react wrongly. And so we need to take time to get before God and say, Lord, I'm lifting this up to you. Whatever you show me to do, I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to do it because I believe you for the end results to be good and godly. And so he is a just man, and so he didn't put her to shame. And so he was, he was a man of righteousness. The Bible says he was a just man. And the Bible tells us to do what? As individuals and as fathers, as mothers, as individuals. To seek first, the Bible says in Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his what? Righteousness. We've got to want to do things the right way. We've got a desire to do it right, God's way. Not my way, God's way. And when we make that decision, Lord, I want to seek your word. I want to seek your counsel and prayer. I want to do the right thing. 
How many of you want to do the right thing? We all do, don't we? But in order to do the right thing, we need to look to the word and we need to hear God's voice. And God will always guide us to do what is right in the right thing. And so he was, he was a, a just father, a father who wanted to do the right thing. And so Joseph also learned to do two things. He learned to be responsible and obedient. He heard what God said to him, and he says, Lord, I want to be obedient and do what you said for me to do. And because he was obedient, blessings started to open up. The hand of God was all over Joseph. Joseph was the most talked-to man from heaven than anybody else in the Bible. Joseph had more visitations from angels than anybody else in the New Testament. Nobody was spoken to more than Joseph. Joseph was a man of few words. You don't hear anything about Joseph or what Joseph said. Joseph was a man who heard God and said, yes, Lord. He didn't want, he didn't want fame, fortune, foremost. I'm the father of Jesus. You never hear that of, jo of Joseph. Joseph was always, yes, Lord, humble and walking with God and saying, Lord, where you lead me, I will go. What you show me to do, I will do it. This was the heart of Joseph. And this is the heart of a father, the heart of everyone. Lord, if I hear, help me to hear and help me to do what you desire me to do. And so God, these, I want to give you seven points to embrace concerning responsibility and obedience for God that will bring blessing into our lives. And it goes to us whether we're fathers, whether we're individuals, whether we're mothers, it doesn't matter. God commands, God commands an awakening, an awakening of our hearts to the salvation of our children. Above all things, we've got to be praying, Father, I want my family saved. I want my children saved. If my child is backslidden, Lord, do what you've got to do. Bring them down to the lowest level if you have to. But if that's going to save them, if that's going to make their hearts turn to you, I'd rather see them down looking up than up and going down. Would you, how would you feel if your son, you prayed, oh, be blessed, be blessed, and you've seen him get promotion and, and all kinds of things, and then one day suddenly dies, and you know that he wasn't walking and living for God. We can't say where a soul would go, but what do you think? If he's walking in dis disrespect and disobedience to the Lord God, he's certainly, number one, if he's in heaven, he certainly missed out on the blessings that God had for him. Would we risk that that child would not make it to heaven? Would we risk that that child turned their back on Jesus and said, I don't care about you anymore, I, I want to do my own thing? Would we dare think, risk that? Can we rare say, oh, God loves them, they'll wind up in heaven? What arrogance. That tells me you don't really love your child. You really don't care about them. If I care about my son, if I care about my daughter, if I care about my wife, I'm praying, Lord, I want to do what you got to do to bring them back to a place where they serve you. I want to see them in the house of God, serving you, praising you, worshiping you. I want to see them living, living their lives for you with a fire and with a zeal. 
This is what God says. Our hearts got to turn back to our children. We got to stop this nonsense. Oh, whatever they want to do, God will work it out. What are you praying? Are you praying for them? Are you praying for them? Are you praying for them to come back to the Lord, to get their hearts right? Pray for them. Pray, Lord, whatever it takes. If my brother, Lord, you've got to bring my brother down so he's looking up, do it. But as long as he's saved and born again, I claim him by faith. But God, do what you've got to do in his life. Yet I know that I'll see him in the kingdom of heaven. I want to see my brother in the kingdom of heaven. I want to see him today serving God. And that's the way revival begins. Fathers praying for the children. Because let me tell you, if you cannot pray for your son or your daughter for salvation and revival and to come back, how can you pray for somebody else? Can you pray for someone else's child to come back from being backslidden? Can you pray for someone else's child to come to know Jesus when you're not even praying for your own child? Priority. My house. Me first. I got to make sure I'm on fire for Jesus living. Number two, my house. I've got to look at my family. You got to look at your brother. You got to look at your sister. You got to look at your aunt. You got to look at your uncles. This is your family. You understand family? Family is a bloodline. God cares about family. Your distant aunt, your distant cousin, your, they're your family. We, we need to start praying for our families, not just our immediate ones, but our extended ones. Lord, do what you've got to do in their lives that they will be saved. Lord, if they knew you, Lord, stop, cut short whatever, whatever they think they're being blessed by until they come back and call upon your name. Do we have a list of our family that we're praying for? I had to readjust my whole thing. I got to start making lists on my family and praying. You can pray for any, you can pray for missionaries all over the world. You can pray for souls to be saved all over here. But if you're not praying for your family, your family is not on the number one on the list. You're a hypocrite. You're a hypocrite. We're hypocrites. Because if I can't pray for my family, how can I say, I'll pray for everybody else, but my family, who cares? Can I say that? Think about it. Can I pray for the whole world to be saved and not pray for my family to be saved? Can I pray for someone else's backsliding son and daughter to come back and not pray for a backslider or my own family to come back to the Lord? This is where revival begins. Revival begins with us praying for our family to come back to the Lord or get to know Jesus. When we start focusing on our family, revival will happen. Oh, we pray for a soul to be saved. Yeah, we want souls to be saved. But as long as my family is on the list, number one. Because when you stand before God and you say, oh, Lord, I prayed for this one to be saved and that one to be saved. Fine. Good. Wonderful. Great. What happened to your aunt? She perished and she never heard it. Your prayers were never covering her. 
Your prayers never were lifted up for your aunt or for your uncle or for your brother or for your sister or for your cousin, and they perish. Can we stand before God and have God say that? You prayed for everybody else, but what about your own family? And so, you see, God is giving us insight so that we can be blessed, our families can be blessed. Salvation, salvation is a serious issue. After this life goes, it's either heaven or hell. You're not going to purgatory. You're not going anywhere else. This, we have one life to live. After this, the judgment. And if we don't take serious salvation of me and my family, we're missing the mark. And we're missing it big time. Because God said in Malachi, I'm turning the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. Meaning God wants to work within the family. God wants to work in a powerful way within the family. And God said, if you turn your heart to the family, you think God is not going to hear that prayer? You think God is not going to act? Because I want to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. Jesus is saying, God is saying through the old and the new, that he wants to start revival in our families. And if our families catch revival, it will, it will spark a fire that will spread worldwide. But you know what the Bible says? The love of many wax cold in the end times. The love of many wax cold for God and for the families. Well, you don't know what this one did to me. You don't know what that one did to me. I don't need to know. I just need to know, are you praying for them? Are you believing God for their salvation? Are you believing God will cut off the blessing if he has to so that they will come and call upon the name of the Lord? Or am I just praying, God bless them, God continue to bless them? No. God, if they need to be stopped being blessed so that they will come back to you and know you, then so be it. You see, God loved Abraham. In Genesis 18, 19, God says, I know that Abraham will command his children to obey you, Lord, and to know you. That brought delight to the heart of God. That he says, Abraham is not going to leave a multiple choice question to his children. Would you like to serve God today? What do you think? Is God good? What do you think? What do you feel like doing today? The Bible says God, Abraham commanded his children. Children, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And my prayers are going to be that you will come to know God and that you will come to serve God and obey God. So this way I know that you and your family will be blessed. There's no greater joy. You see, it's not a sad thing. It's not a condemnation thing. It's a thing that if we want to see our lives blessed and if we want to see our sons and daughters and wives and aunts, and if we want to see them blessed, we need to pray that they will come back to know Jesus and whatever it takes. If God has to strip them of blessings, if God has to strip them of material things that will bring them back to the Lord, so be it, Father. 
I am tired of playing, bless my family, bless my, this one, bless him, bless them, take care, provide for their finances. When I know they're not serving God, they made a choice to walk away from God and not serve him, I cannot partake of that. I cannot be part of their disobedience. You know, if, we, if I pray blessing for a family member that I know purposely walked away from God and is delighting in doing his own thing or her own thing and serving and walking in sin, if I pray God bless them, I'm a partaker of their disobedience and their sin. I got to pray, Lord, if that's what they're doing, then take the blessing away so that they may come back and call upon your name. It doesn't sound nice, does it? But the truth is, unless they're saved, they will perish to an eternity of fire of hell. And I want to see them blessed. How about you? I want to see you blessed. I want to see your household blessed. I want to see your family blessed. And so we need to make a priority of turning our hearts. That's what the Bible says. Turn our hearts to our children, to our family. And say, Lord, nothing else in this life matters but that they turn back to you to be saved. Eli, you heard the story of Eli in the Old Testament. Eli was in the house of the Lord and his sons were fooling around. They were committing fornication and adultery. And Eli knew about it. And Eli said, oh, sons, I love you. Just stop that. Quit it. And they kept doing it. And Eli says, I love you, sons. Just they died. They perished. I don't see any, any reason why I think they made it to heaven. They disobeyed God in the house of God, and they were, they, were, they were committing sin. And Eli did not correct them. He did not command them that as for me and my house, you are my children. You will stop that. He didn't correct them. He didn't pray for them. He just allowed it to continue, and they perished. Abraham, on the other hand, said, as for me and my house, we're serving God. Abraham became the richest man in the world. Really. Uh, other than Solomon, Abraham was rich. He was abundantly blessed. Why? Because he commanded his children to walk in the ways of the Lord, to know God and love God and serve God. Eli perished. Abraham was blessed with abundant wealth. And that's why he says again, train up a child in the way he should go and you will be blessed. Because when the family does not, there's power, there's power, there's power in family. There's power in the family and the devil knows it. And because if he can destroy the power in the family's relationship with God, he can destroy the family itself. Many families are destroyed because... There's not, that, there's not that relationship with God between husband and wife or father and son or father and daughter or husband and wife. If there is not that godly relationship there, if, they're not, if God, seeking God, loving God and obeying God is not priority, the devil has a foothold to destroy or disrupt or disarray that marriage, that family, that relationship. And so God wants us to be a family that serves God loves God, and God will make your family a powerhouse for the kingdom of God. God will make your family a family that is filled with revival 
rivers. Rivers of revival will be in your family. When the world sees your family on fire for Jesus, it will ripple out and create a fire. And so the devil wants to destroy relationship with God, relationship with family. And once the family is destroyed, guess what? The world around it, the society becomes corrupt. Why do you think you look at the news today, you look at the, the thing, and it's gone wild? The world has gone wild. Why? Because everything is saying, take God out of family, take God out of marriage, take God out of relationships, and just do whatever seems right in your own eyes. And you see the chaos in this world. You see the immorality. You see the disrespect. You see the disobedience. Nobody respects anybody anymore. People will damage your property in an instant, in the blink of an eye, and not think anything about it. And if you say something, you know, they'll want to kill you. It doesn't matter because there's total disrespect because the family has been broken down. Mothers and fathers work jobs and they leave their children home alone. And that is a disruption of the family. And so we've got to be careful that we want to keep our families together, serving God, loving God, so that we can have a power in our things. So we need to do three things. We need to build our own relationship with God, and we've got to build the relationship of our family while they're in our household to build them to say, we will have a time of prayer in our house. We will have a time of coming around the word in our house. We will do this. Not if you please or if you like it, if you can make an appointment, you know, to some point in time within the next two weeks, come to the, to, no. We need, as, a, as, 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 household, as men in charge of our house, we have a responsibility to God to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will have a time of coming together so that we can know God. And we need to our, develop our relationship with our family. We've got to start doing things with our family. We've got to start saying we will go to the house of the Lord. Go out for ice cream. Go out for this. But take time to talk about God. Take time to talk about the things that matter in life, the things that will matter to their eternal security. And if we get our relationship right with God and our relationship right with our family, it begins to filter out into the world around us and society, world. The world will be a better place when the families are better. As you see families, just look at the world. And as the world is, that's how the family is. It's the truth. The Roman Empire was a powerful thing in its day. It failed because the family became corrupted and everything crumbled and fell. As the world is, look at the world on a whole. Look at, look at a country or a nation. See how, what's going on and you'll see what's going on inside the Christian family. I'm not talking about worldly families, Christian families. Look at the world, look at a country, see what's taking place, and I'll tell you, that's what's going on in the heart of most of the Christian families. This is the truth, and the truth, if we know the truth, it begins to set us free. It begins to cause us to pray in different ways. This world, is sad shape and it's not because of unbelievers it's because of the christian realm the christian households are filled with unfaithfulness 
with disrespect, with, dis with disobedience. The Christian homes are filled with pornography. The Christian homes are filled with fornication and, and adulteries in the Christian ranks. And because of that, you can see it in the world. If the Christian homes were more godly, you would see a nation begin to become gradually more God-like. What do you think the United States was many years ago when it was first founded by the fathers? Not to say there wasn't things, but it was for the most part, it was called a Christian nation. And you could see that God's, that righteousness prevailed. But today, because God was coming out of the families, today, they don't even want to call it a Christian nation. And so there's power in our families. You want revival? How many want revival? Pray for your family to come back to the Lord. Whatever it takes, Lord, whatever it takes, bring my family back to you. They have to be the priority. Malachi says, God will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children back to the fathers. Luke, it says that John the Baptist was becoming in the spirit and power of Elijah to do one thing, to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the children back to the father. And that's why Jesus says, repent and believe the gospel. Pray in a different way throughout this whole week. Pray for your family. Put them on your list, number one. Amen? And see what God will do.